Greetings, and welcome back. Today, we start the third book in the Dark Elf trilogy. No longer is Drizzt exploring the worlds of the Underdark. Now he's moved to the surface of the Forgotten Realms. So without further delay, let's dive right in. Sojourn by R.A. Salvatore Prelude The Dark Elf sat on the barren mountainside, watching anxiously as the line of red grew above the eastern horizon. This would be perhaps his hundredth dawn, and he knew well the sting that the searing light would bring to his lavender eyes, eyes that had known only the darkness of the Underdark for more than four decades. The drow did not turn away, though, when the upper rim of the flaming sun crested the horizon. He accepted the light as his purgatory, a pain necessary if he was to follow his chosen path to become a creature of the surface world. Gray smoke wafted up before the drow's dark-skinned face. He knew what it meant, without even looking down. His piwifui, the magical drow-made cloak that had so many times in the underdark shielded him from the probing enemy eyes, had finally succumbed to the daylight. The magic in the cloak had begun fading weeks before, and the fabric itself was simply melting away. Wide holes appeared as patches of the garment dissolved, and the drow pulled his arms in tightly to salvage as much as he could. It wouldn't make any difference, he knew. The cloak was doomed to waste away in this world so different from where it had been created. The drow clung to it desperately, somehow viewing it as an analogy to his own fate. The sun climbed higher, and tears rolled out of the drow's squinting lavender eyes. He could not see the smoke any more could not see beyond the blinding glare of that terrible ball of fire. Still he sat and watched, right through the dawn. To survive, he had to adapt. He pushed his toe painfully down against a jag in the stone and focused his attention away from his eyes, from the dizziness that threatened to overcome him. He thought of how thin his finely woven boots had become and knew that they too would soon dissipate into nothingness. Then his scimitars, perhaps. Would those magnificent drow weapons, which had sustained him through so many trials, be no more? What fate awaited Gwenhyver, his magical panther companion? Unconsciously, the drow dropped a hand into his pouch to feel the marvelous figurine, so perfect in every detail, which he had used to summon the cat. Its solidity reassured him in that moment of doubt. But if it, too, had been crafted by the Dark Elves, imbued with the magic so particular to their domain— would Gwenhyver soon be lost? What a pitiful creature I will become. The drow lamented in his native tongue. He wondered, not for the first time, and certainly not for the last, about the wisdom of his decision to leave the Underdark, to forsake the world of his evil people. His head pounded. Sweat rolled into his eyes, heightening the sting. The sun continued its ascent, and the drow could not endure. He rose and turned toward the small cave he had taken as his home, and he again put a hand absently on the panther figurine. His pillowfui hung in tatters about him, serving as meager protection from the mountain wind's chill bite. There was no winds in the underdark except for slight currents rising off pools of magma, and no chill except for the icy touch of an undead monster. This surface world, which the drow had known for several months, showed many differences— Many variables. Too many, he often believed. Dristuarden would not surrender. The Underdark was the world of his kin, of his family, 
and in that darkness he would find no rest. Following the demands of his principles, he had struck out against Loth, the Spider Queen. The evil deity his people revered above life itself. The Dark Elves, Driz's family, would not forgive his blasphemy, and the Underdark had no holes deep enough to escape their long reach. Even if Drizzt believed that the sun would burn him away, as it burned away his boots and his precious pivofui, even if he became no more than insubstantial gray smoke blowing away in the chill mountain breeze, he would retain his principles and dignity, those elements that made his life worthwhile. Drizzt pulled off his cloak's remains and tossed them down a deep chasm. The chilly wind nipped against his sweat-bearded brow, but the drow walked straight and proud, his jaw firm and his lavender eyes wide open. This was the fate he preferred. Along the side of a different mountain, not so far away, another creature watched the rising sun. Ulgulu, too, had left his birthplace, the filthy, smoking rifts that marked the plain of Gehenna. But this monster had not come of his own accord. It was Ulgulu's fate, his penance to grow in this world until he attained sufficient strength to return to his home. Ulgulu's lot was murder, feeding on the life force of the weak mortals around him. He was close now to attaining his maturity, huge and strong and terrible. Every kill made him stronger. Part 1. Sunrise It burned in my eyes and pained every part of my body. It destroyed my pivofui and boots, stole the magic from my armor, and weakened my trusted scimitars. Still, every day without fail, I was there, sitting upon my perch, my judgment seat, to await the arrival of the sunrise. It came to me each day in a paradoxical way. The sting could not be denied, but neither could I deny the beauty of the spectacle. The colors just before the sun's appearance grabbed my soul in a way that no patterns of heat emanations in the underdark ever could. At first I thought my entrancement a result of the strangeness of the scene, but even now, many years later, I feel my heart leap at the subtle brightening that heralds the dawn. I know now that my time in the sun, my daily penance, was more than the mere desire to adapt to the ways of the surface world. The sun became the symbol of the difference between the Underdark and my new home. The society that I had run away from, a world of secret dealings and treacherous conspiracies, could not exist in the open spaces under the light of day. This sun, for all the anguish it brought me physically, came to represent my denial of the other, darker world. Those rays of revealing light reinforced my principles as surely as they weakened the drow-made magical items. In the sunlight, the piwifui, the shielding cloak that defeated probing eyes, the garment of thieves and assassins became no more than a worthless rag of tattered cloth. Drizzt Duarden Chapter 1 Poignant Lessons Drizzt crept past the shielding shrubs and over the flat and bare stone that led to the cave now serving as his home. He knew that something had crossed this way recently, very recently. There were no tracks to be seen, but the scent was strong. Gwenhyver circled on the rocks high above the hillside cave. Sight of the panther gave the drow a measure of comfort. 
Drizzt had come to trust Gwenhyver implicitly, and knew that the cat would flush out any enemies hiding in ambush. Drizzt disappeared into the dark opening and smiled as he heard the panther come down behind, watching over him. Drizzt paused behind a stone just inside the entrance, letting his eyes adjust to the gloom. The sun was still bright, though it was fast dipping in the western sky, but the cave was much darker, dark enough for Drizzt to let his vision slip into the infrared spectrum. As soon as the adjustment was completed, Drizzt located the intruder, the clear glow of a heat source. A living creature emanated from behind another rock deeper in the one-chambered cave. Drizzt relaxed considerably. Gwenhyber was only a few steps away now, and considering the size of the rock, the intruder could not be a large beast. Still, Drizzt had been raised in the Underdark, where every living creature, regardless of its size, was respected and considered dangerous. He signaled for Gwenhyver to remain in position near the exit and crept around to get a better angle on the intruder. Drizzt had never seen such an animal before. It appeared almost cat-like, but its head was much smaller and more sharply pointed. The whole of it could not have weighed more than a few pounds. This fact, and the creature's bushy tail and thick fur, indicated that it was more of a forager than a predator. It rummaged now through the pack of food, apparently oblivious to the drow's presence. Take ease, Gwenhyver, Driz called softly, slipping his scimitars into their sheaths. He took a step toward the intruder for a better look, though he kept a cautious distance so as not to startle it, thinking that he might have found another companion, if he could only gain the animal's trust. The small animal turned abruptly at Driz's call, its short front legs quickly backing it against the wall. Take ease, Driz said quietly, this time to the intruder. I'll not harm you. Drizzt took another step in, and the creature hissed and spun about, its hind feet stamping down on the stone floor. Drizzt nearly laughed out loud, thinking that the creature meant to push itself straight through the cave's back wall. Gwenhyver bound over then, and the panther's immediate distress stole the mirth from the drow's face. The animal's tail came up high. Drizzt noticed in the faint light that the beast had distinctive stripes running down its back. Gwenhyver whimpered and turned to flee, but it was too late. About an hour later, Drizzt and Gwenhyver walked along the lower trails of the mountain in search of a new home. They had salvaged what they could, though, and that wasn't very much. Gwenhyver kept a good distance to the side of Drizzt. Proximity made the stink only worse. Drizzt took it all in stride, though the stench of his own body made the lesson a bit more poignant than he would have liked. He didn't know the little animal's name, of course, but he had marked its appearance keenly. He would know better the next time he encountered a skunk. What of my other companions in this strange world? Drizzt whispered to himself. It was not the first time the drow had voiced such concerns. He knew very little of the surface, and even less of the creatures that lived there. His months had been spent in and about the cave, with only occasional forays down to the lower, more populated regions. There, in his foraging, he had seen some animals, usually at a distance, and even observed some humans. He'd not yet found the courage to come out of hiding, though to greet his neighbors, fearing potential rejection and knowing that he had nowhere left to run. The sound of rushing water led the reeking drow and panther to a fast-running brook. Drizzt immediately found some protective shade and began stripping away his armor and clothing, while Gwenhyver moved downstream to do some fishing. The sound of the panther fumbling around in the water brought a smile to the drow's severe features. 
They would eat well this night. Drizzt gingerly flipped the clasp of his belt and laid his crafted weapons beside his mesh chainmail. Truly, he felt vulnerable without the armor and weapons. He never would have put them so far from his reach in the Underdark. But many months had passed since Drizzt had found any need for them. He looked at his scimitars and was flooded by the bittersweet memories of the last time he'd put them to use. He had battled Zach Nefane then, his father and mentor and dearest friend. Only Drizzt had survived the encounter. The legendary weapons master was gone now, but the triumph in that fight belonged as much to Zack as it did to Drizzt, for it was not really Zack Nefane who had come after Drizzt on the bridges of the acid-filled cavern. Rather, it was Zack Nefane's wraith, under the control of Drizzt's evil mother, Matron Malice. She had sought revenge upon her son for his denouncement of Loth and the chaotic drow society in general. Drizzt had spent more than thirty years in Menzoberranzan, but he never accepted the malicious and cruel ways that were the norm in the drow city. He'd been a constant embarrassment to House Duarden, despite his considerable skill with weapons. When he ran from the city to live the life of exile in the wilds of the Underdark, he had placed his high priestess mother out of Loth's favor. Thus, matron Malice Duarden had raised the spirit of Zach Nefane, the weapons master she had sacrificed to Loth, and sent the undead thing after her son. Malice had miscalculated, though, for there remained enough of Zach's soul within the body to deny the attack on Drizzt. In the instant that Zach managed to wrest control from Malice, he cried out in triumph and leaped into the lake of acid. My father, Drizzt whispered, drawing strength from the simple words. He had succeeded where Zack Nefane had failed. He had forsaken the evil ways of the drow where Zack had been trapped for centuries, acting as a pawn in Matron Malice's powerful games. From Zack Nefane's failure and ultimate demise, young Drizzt had found strength from Zack's victory in the Acid Cavern. Drizzt had found determination. Drizzt had ignored the web of lies his former teachers at the academy in Menzoberranzan had tried to spin, and he'd come to the surface to begin a new life. Drizzt shuddered as he stepped into the icy stream. In the Underdark, he'd known fairly constant temperatures and unvarying darkness. Here, though, the world surprised him at every turn. Already he had noticed that the periods of daylight and darkness were not constant. The sun set earlier every day, and the temperature changing from hour to hour, it seemed, had steadily dipped during the last few weeks. Even within those periods of light and dark loomed inconsistencies. Some nights were visited by a silver glowing orb, and some days held a pale of gray instead of a dome of shining blue. In spite of it all, Drizzt most often felt comfortable with his decision to come to this unknown world. Looking at his weapons and armor now, lying in the shadows of a dozen feet from where he bathed, Drizzt had to admit that the surface, for all of its strangeness, offered more peace than anywhere in the Underdark ever could. Drizzt was in the wilds now, despite his calm. He had spent four months on the surface and was still alone, except when he was able to summon his magical feline companion. Now, stripped bare except for his ragged pants, with his eyes stinging from skunk spray, his sense of smell lost within the cloud of his own pungent aroma, and his keen sense of hearing dulled by the din of rushing water, the drow was indeed vulnerable. What a mess I must appear, Drizzt mused, roughly running his slender fingers through the mat of his thick white hair. When he glanced back to his equipment, though, 
the thought was washed quickly away from Driz's mind. Five hulking forms straddled his belongings and undoubtedly cared little for the Dark Elves' ragged appearance. Driz considered the grayish skin and dark muzzles of the dog-faced seven-foot-tall humanoids, but more particularly, he watched the spears and swords that they now leveled his way. He knew this type of monster, for he had seen similar creatures serving as slaves back in Manzibaranzan. In this situation, however, the gnolls appeared much different, more ominous, than Driz remembered them. He briefly considered a rush to his scimitars, but dismissed the notion, knowing that a spear would skewer him before he ever got close. The largest of the knoll band, an eight-foot giant with striking red hair, looked at Driz for a long moment, eyed the drow's equipment, then looked back at him. "'What are you thinking?' Driz muttered under his breath. Driz really knew very little about gnolls. At Menzoboranzan's academy, he had been taught that gnolls were of the goblinoid race, evil, unpredictable, and quite dangerous. He had been told that of the surface elves and humans as well, though, and, he now realized, of nearly every race that was not drow. Drizd almost laughed aloud despite his predicament. Ironically, the race that most deserved the mantle of evil unpredictability was the drow themselves. The gnolls made no other moves and uttered no commands. Drizd understood their hesitancy at the sight of a dark elf and he knew that he must seize their natural fear if he was to have any chance at all. Calling upon the innate abilities of his magical heritage, Drizzt waved his dark hand and outlined all five knolls in harmless purple-glowing flames. One of the beasts dropped immediately to the ground, as Drizzt had hoped, but the others halted at a signal from their more experienced leader's outstretched hand. They looked around nervously, apparently wondering about the wisdom of continuing this meeting. The knoll chieftain, though, had seen harmless fairy fire before in a fight with an unfortunate, now-deceased ranger, and knew it for what it was. Driz tensed in anticipation and tried to determine his next move. The knoll chieftain glanced around at his companions, as if studying just how fully they were lined by the dancing flames. Judging by the completeness of the spell, this was no ordinary drow peasant standing in the stream, or so Drizzt hoped the chieftain was thinking. Drizzt relaxed a bit as the leader dipped his spear and signaled for the others to do likewise. The knoll then barked a jumble of words that sounded like gibberish to the drow. Seeing Drizzt's obvious confusion, the knoll called something in the guttural tongue of goblins. Drizzt understood the goblin language, but the knoll's dialect was so very strange that he managed to decipher only a few words, friend and leader being among them. Cautiously, Drizzt took a step toward the bank. The knolls gave ground, opening a path to his belongings. Drizzt took another tentative step, then grew more at ease when he noticed a black feline form crouched in the bushes a short distance away. At his command, Gwenhyver in one great spring would come crashing into the knoll band. "'You and I to walk together?' Drizzt asked the knoll leader, using the goblin tongue and trying to simulate the creature's dialect. The knoll replied in a hurried shout, and the only thing that Drizzt thought he understood was the last word of the questions. Ally? Drizzt nodded slowly, hoping he understood the creature's full meaning. Ally! The knoll croaked, and all of its companions smiled and laughed in relief, and patted each other on the back. Drizzt reached his equipment then, and immediately strapped on his scimitars. Seeing the knolls distracted, the drow glanced at Gwenhyver and nodded to the thick growth along the trail ahead. 
Swiftly and silently, Gwenhyver took up the new position. No need to give all of his secrets away, Drizzt figured, not until he truly understood his new companion's intentions. Drizzt walked along with the knolls down the monster's lower winding passes. The knolls kept far from the drow's sides, whether out of respect for Drizzt and the reputation of his race, or for some other reason he could not know. More likely, Drizzt suspected they kept their distance simply because of his odor, which the bath had done little to diminish. The knoll leader addressed Drizzt every so often, accentuating his excited words with a sly wink or a sudden rub of his thick, padded hands. Drizzt had no idea what the knoll was talking about, but he assumed from the creature's eager lip-smacking that it was leading him to some sort of feast. Drizzt soon guessed the band's destination, for he had often watched the jutting peaks high in the mountains, the lights of a small human farming community in the valley. Drizzt could only guess at the relationship between the knolls and the human farmers, but he sensed that it was not a friendly one. When they neared the village, the knolls dropped into defensive positions, following lines of shrubs and keeping to the shadows as much as possible. Twilight was fast approaching as the troop made its way around the village's central area to look down upon a secluded farmhouse off to the west. The knoll chieftain whispered to Drizzt, slowly rolling out each word so the drow might understand one family, it croaked. Three men, two women. One young woman, another added eagerly. The old chieftain gave a snarl. And three young males, it concluded. Driz thought he now understood the journey's purpose, and the surprised and questioning look on his face prompted the knoll to confirm it beyond doubt. Enemies, the leader declared. Drizzt, knowing next to nothing of the two races, was in a dilemma. The knolls were raiders, that much was clear, and they meant to swoop down upon the farmhouse as soon as the last daylight faded away. Drizzt had no intention of joining him in their fight until he had a lot more information concerning the nature of the conflict. "'Enemies?' he asked. The knoll leader crinkled its brow in apparent consternation. It spouted a line of gibberish in which Drizzt thought he heard human, weakling, and slave. All the knolls sensed the drow's sudden uneasiness, and they began fingering their weapons and glancing to each other nervously. Three men?' Drizzt said. The knoll jabbed its spear savagely toward the ground. Kill oldest, catch two. Women? The evil smile that spread over the knoll's face answered the question beyond doubt, and Drizzt was beginning to understand where he stood in the conflict. What of the children? He eyed the knoll leader squarely and spoke each word distinctly. There could be no misunderstanding. His final question confirmed it all, for while Driz could accept the typical savagery concerning mortal enemies, he could never forget the one time he had participated in such a raid. He had saved an elven child on that day, had hidden the girl under her mother's body to keep her from the wrath of his drow companions. Of all the many evils Drizzt had ever witnessed, the murder of children had been the worst. The knoll thrust its spear toward the ground, its dog face contorted in wicked glee. I think not, Drizzt said simply, fires springing up in his lavender eyes. Somehow, the knolls noticed, his scimitars had appeared in his hands, 
Again, the knoll's snout crinkled, this time in confusion. It tried to get its spear up in defense, not knowing what his strange draw would do next, but it was too late. Driz's rush was too quick. Before the knoll's spear tip even moved, the drow waded in, scimitars leading. The other four knolls watched in amazement as Driz's blade snapped twice, tearing the throat from their powerful leader. The giant knoll fell backwards silently, grasping futilely at its throat. A knoll to the side reacted first, leveling its spear and charging at Driz. The agile drow easily deflected the straightforward attack, but was careful not to slow the knoll's movement. As the huge creature lumbered past, Drizzt rolled around beside it and kicked it at the ankles. Off balance, the knoll stumbled on, plunging its spear deep into the chest of a startled companion. The knoll tugged at the weapon, but it was firmly embedded, its barbed head hooked around the other knoll's backbone. The knoll had no concern for its dying companion. All it wanted was its weapon. It tugged and twisted and cursed and spat into the agonized expression crossing its companion's face until a scimitar bashed in the beast's skull. Another knoll, seeing the drow distracted and thinking it was wiser to engage the foe from a distance, raised its spear to throw. Its arm went up high, but before the weapon ever started forward, Gwenhyver crashed in and the knoll and the panther tumbled away. The knoll smashed heavy punches into the panther's muscled side, but Gwenhyver's raking claws were more effective by far. In the split second it took for Driz to turn from the three dead knolls at his feet, the fourth of the band lay dead beneath the giant panther. The fifth had taken flight. Gwenhyver tore free of the dead knoll's stubborn grasp. The cat's sleek muscles rippled anxiously as he awaited the expected command. Driz considered the carnage around him, the blood on his scimitars, and the horrible expressions on the faces of the dead. He wanted to let it end, for he realized that he had stepped into a situation beyond his experience, had crossed the paths of two races that he knew very little about. After a moment of consideration, though, the single notion that stood out in the drow's mind was the knoll leader's gleeful promise of death to the human children. Too much was at stake. Driz turned to Gwenhyver, his voice more determined than resigned. Go get him. The knoll scrambled along the trails, its eyes darting back and forth as it imagined dark forms behind every tree or stone. Drow! It rasped over and over, using the word itself as encouragement during its flight. Drow! Drow! Huffing and panting, the knoll came into a copse of trees, stretching between two steep walls of bare stone. It tumbled over a fallen log, slipped, and bruised its ribs on the angled slope of a moss-covered stone. Minor pains would not slow the frightened creature, though, not at the least. The knoll knew it was being pursued sensed a presence slipping in and out of the shadows just beyond the edges of its vision. As it neared the end of the copse, the evening gloom thick about it, the knoll spotted a set of yellow glowing eyes peering back at it. The knoll had seen its companion taken down by the panther, and could make a guess as to what was now blocking his path. Knolls were cowardly monsters, but they could fight with amazing tenacity when cornered. So it was now. Realizing that it had no escape, it certainly could not turn back in the direction of the Dark Elf. The knoll snarled and heaved its heavy spear. The knoll heard a shuffle, a thump, and a squeal of pain as the spear connected. The yellow eyes went away for a moment, then a form scurried off toward a tree. It moved low to the ground, almost cat-like, but the knoll realized at once that his mark had been no panther. When the wounded animal got to the tree, it looked back, and the knoll recognized it clearly. Raccoon! 
the knoll blurted and it laughed. I run from a raccoon? The knoll shook its head and blew away all of its mirth in a deep breath. The sight of the raccoon had brought a measure of relief, but the knoll could not forget what had happened back down the path. It had to get back to its lair now, back to report to Ulgulu, its gigantic goblin master, its god thing about the drow. It took a step to retrieve the spear, then stopped suddenly, sensing a movement from behind. Slowly, the knoll turned its head. It could see its own shoulder and the moss-covered rock behind. The knoll froze. Nothing moved behind it. Not a sound issued from anywhere in the copse, but the beast knew that something was back there. The goblinoid's breath came in short rasps. Its fat hands clenched and opened at its sides. The knoll spun quickly and roared, but the shout of rage became a cry of terror as six hundred pounds of panther leaped down from the low branch. The impact laid the knoll out flat, but it was not a weak creature. Ignoring the burning pains of the panther's cruel claws, the knoll grasped Gwenhyra's plunging head, held on desperately to keep the deadly maw from finding a hold upon its neck. For nearly a minute the knoll struggled, its arms quivering under the pressure of the powerful muscles in the panther's neck. The great head came down then, and Gwenhyver found a hold. Great teeth locked onto the knoll's neck and squeezed away the doomed creature's breath. The knoll flailed and thrashed wildly. Somehow it managed to roll back over the panther. Gwenhyver remained vice-like, unconcerned. The maw held firm. In a few minutes, the thrashing stopped.